Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for today and our ability to gather as your people. May the people of God, may your people be edified by the preaching of your word and may Christ be exalted. And by the help of the Spirit, guide my tongue and keep me in the truth. For your glory and for the good of your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you are new to North Hills, we meet every Sunday, every Lord's Day. We sing together and worship our triune God. And now is the time in which we spend opening up God's Word. And we're going to walk through it. We desire to go verse by verse through books of the Bible. Over the last few months, we've been looking at the book of Colossians. And so today, we're going to spend some time looking at the the first three verses of chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to look at the first three verses. Beginning in verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is God's word. Just a quick review over the last few weeks uh, as we've walked through this book. The the Apostle Paul wrote this letter uh, to the church in Colossae. And in chapter 1, Scripture addresses the Colossians' faith in Jesus, in which Paul is thankful for, and he, he rejoices. And so there is encouragement to the body of believers and a recognition for praying uh, for other believers. And then we are met uh, with who Christ is and what Christ has done. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is God. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is of the same essence as the Father. He is truly God and became truly man. So if you say Jesus was a created being, or He was man that became God, you are speaking false. You are speaking heresy. Jesus did not become God. He is God and became man. This is why we celebrate this season of Christmas. The second person of our triune God, the Lord Jesus Christ, took on flesh. And He did so. To reconcile sinful man to a holy God by the blood of His cross. So that those who come to Him by faith and faith alone will be forgiven of their sin. Their sin not counted against them because Jesus Christ has dealt with it by His death upon the cross. As John Piper said in our devotional this week, Christmas is pointing to Good Friday. Because Christ is the only one who can reconcile sinful humanity 
to a holy God. It is Him we proclaim, as Scripture says in verse 28 of chapter 1. And as John covered the last few verses of chapter 1 last week, we see that this is why Paul toiled. He, he struggled. And so he continues on with verse 1 of chapter 2 today. Earthly labors are, are difficult, yet Christ holds us fast. In, this, in these three verses today, we are met with Paul's labors in verse 1 and part of verse 2. And then in the middle of verse 2 and 3, Scripture focuses upon God's mystery, which is Christ, which is Jesus Christ, the only one who can save. And so as we walk through this passage, we think upon Paul's labors, but we are again reminded of the work of Christ in the gospel. And so as we walk through this passage, there will be three points this morning. The first is labor well. Labor well. We'll look at verse 1 for that. Labor well. The second is live well. Live well. We'll look at verse 2. And then the third is love well. Love well. We will look at part of verse 2 and verse 3 for that point. And just briefly, I want to explain the the third point really quick. We love Christ. We love Christ. The Christian's treasure is not in toys of this world or what will come under the tree. Our treasure is Jesus Christ. He is ours. We are His. We love Him. And so the gospel of God has been revealed. Jesus is our remedy for our sin. We love Him. We love Him. To our first point this morning, labor, labor well. Let's read verse 1 again. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. So in verse 24 of chapter 1, Paul begins by speaking of his current sufferings for Christ and that his ministry has been given by the Lord. And he begins with verse 1 of of chapter 2 with the phrase, For I want you to know. For I want you to know. This phrase is intended for us as readers to to focus on what Paul is about to say. He is grabbing the reader's or hearer's attention. It could be similar to a parent sitting sitting their child down, looking them in the eye and saying, I need you to know. I need you to know. This is what Paul is doing here. And so what he is about to write, he wants many to hear. And so the Colossians... And followers of Jesus should pay attention to what Scripture is going to say. And he follows the phrase by saying, How great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. The apostle has struggled over the half of the Colossians and those of Laodicea. He has labored for them. The Greek word used here for struggle is agon. And the English word agony comes from this word. The same word was used in the previous verse of Colossians chapter 1, verse 29. Scripture says, For this I toil, struggling. Paul uses it also in Philippians chapter 1, verse 30. But the ESV translates it, 
translates it to conflict. And the only time uh, this wording appears outside of Pauline epistle in the New Testament is in the book of Hebrews. And so this word of gone is not just he may be facing bad words from people every now and then. The apostle is facing immense suffering. And he speaks of some of these sufferings in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 33. But to summarize, he says he's been in prison, beaten multiple times, once almost to the point of death. He received 39 lashes. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked, not once, not twice, three times. He had a variety of dangers. And then Paul was at one point trapped by a governing king and was let down in a basket through a window and escaped that king. So Paul is laboring for the good of the church and for the glory of God. It has cost him in a variety of ways. He has gone from city to city, proclaiming the gospel, and oftentimes beaten and charged to never return. He prays for the flock and writes to them. He's striving to be a faithful minister of the gospel, and his life is marked by that. Why does he labor and struggle? Because he's confident in Christ. Paul knows he is not waging war against the flesh, as he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. His confidence does not come from himself, but comes from Jesus Christ and the gospel. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul says that it's declaring the mystery of Christ on account of which he is imprisoned. So by, clear, by declaring the mystery of Christ, which is the gospel, he's imprisoned. And so he is able to toil, he's able to labor, struggle, and go through present sufferings because of the future glory that's to be revealed. As he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. So beloved, gospel ministry is not a walk in the park. I think sometimes because of our Americanized view of things, Some have come to view the church more like a business and then think ministry is as easy as people dancing in the hills of the sound of music. It may be true that those who preach the gospel may may not be getting physically beaten here, but that does not mean that the labor and toil is not difficult. When you meet with people in their hardships and press them to the gospel or in their joys of life. When you confront sins in the lives of people, the work is difficult. When one prays for others, sometimes the prayers are not the easiest because of the sorrows and pains in this life. And in gospel proclamation and preparing for preaching, By the help of the Spirit, ministers should desire to be faithful to the text while being very direct with the saints about life. We need to to reflect on how we articulate and speak regarding brothers and sisters. We need to pray more, not less. Be more present, not less. Invest more time, not less. And so gospel 
ministry, it is not easy, but it's worth it. Gospel ministry is not easy, but it is worth it. Why does Paul labor and toil? Because of Christ. Why do gospel ministers labor and toil? Because of Christ. Why do the people of God toil and labor? Why do they remain faithful to the gospel message when it may cost them family, may cost them jobs or friends? Because of Christ. Because of Christ. It is Him. It is Him we proclaim. So how can my labors point to Jesus and encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ? May the Lord kill in us the desire to exalt ourselves. Paul has struggled. He's labored for the Colossians, for the Laodiceans, and for those whom he has not yet seen face to face. Laodicea was a city that had industry, had money, and a good water supply. And during this time, Colossae was not as important as Laodicea. But some scholars say that the reason why Laodicea Laodicea was mentioned in this letter is that they were threatened with the same false teachings as the Colossians. And it would make sense when only 11 miles covered the distance between uh, Colossae and Laodicea. And so in the first verse of Colossians 2, Paul has a specific people in mind. Those of whom he knows, and then those whom he has not yet seen face to face. And so when he labors, he has people in mind. But even those who have not yet seen him face to face. Christians are to labor well. We are not Paul. We are not Paul. But we can strive to be faithful to the gospel message like the apostle. And we rest in Christ's finished work. It is Him. It is Him we proclaim as we labor. And as we labor, the church is going to live in a manner honoring to the Lord. And so to our second point this morning, live well. Live well. Let's read the latter part of verse 1 and into verse 2. Scripture says, For all who have not yet seen not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So Paul is struggling so that in the people of God, hearts may be encouraged. They may be knit together in love. There may be assurance and knowledge of the mystery of God. So these are four aspects in which the church should reflect and be. Hearts are to be encouraged. There should be unity. Being knit together in love. There's assurance in Christ. And then a knowledge of the gospel. So the first thing that is mentioned here in verse 2 is that hearts may be encouraged. Hearts may be encouraged. Why would a believer be encouraged 
by the struggles of Paul. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is going forth. It is not the glories of Paul. It is not our achievements. Right? Christians are encouraged by other Christians sharing the gospel and remaining faithful under sufferings. And the Lord comforts and encourages our souls. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 11, Scripture says, He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with, with young. And in, and in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1-7, through 7, we are met with a unique passage in how the Lord provides. Scripture speaks of Elijah going to the brook. Elijah going to the brook and then the Lord providing ravens to feed him. Beloved, take and drink from the Lord's brook. He provides. He brings relief. Our souls are strengthened and encouraged in Him. If we go elsewhere, it will not give relief to our souls. We'll just feel more burdened. More and more burdened if we go elsewhere. It is the gospel in which believers are encouraged and need to be regularly reminded of. We have sinned against a holy God. The true message of Christmas is offensive to fallen humanity. The second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, took on flesh, dwelt among men living perfectly in our place and dying the death that we deserved upon the cross. He bore God's righteous wrath against sin. And He rose again from the grave that those who come to Him in faith will be redeemed from their sin. This is offensive. This is offensive to sinful man. You're not going to be finding Macy's or Belk explicitly proclaiming the gospel message. But the church should be. We are redeemed from sin because of Christ and Christ alone. Our footing is founded firm upon Him. If we move or budge, there's going to be disunity. We will fail. But may our hearts be encouraged in the gospel And then as Scripture continues, knit together in love. Knit together in love. If a congregation is made up of people who have not been changed by the gospel, still having a heart of stone, and as the book of Jeremiah reminds us in chapter 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. If a congregation is made up of people who have not been born again and changed by the gospel, there will be disunity. There will be strife because their focus will be on self rather than Christ. But the church that is made up of believers will be knit together in love. We have people among us who disagree on favorite sports teams. People who may disagree on various policies in this country. We have people among us who disagree on parenting styles. We have people 
who disagree on homeschooling and public schooling. But what is more important and vital to the local church in disagreements? The foundation of the gospel. We can disagree and still have unity in the gospel of Christ because we all agree it is that news. It is the gospel of Christ that unites us all. Amen. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Beloved, the bond we have together is in the gospel. This being knitted together is only for the bride of Christ. Growing up, my grandmother made me a quilt. And she took various fabrics, put them together, and it was held together by by the thread in which she wove it together. A few verses later in Colossians chapter 2, verse 19, Scripture says that from the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Believers are locking arms together for the gospel. If you think Red Rover... You know, think Red Rover. You're locking arms together for a purpose to beat the other side. But we are not united in a mere children's game. This is the bond of the gospel. And if we pick up on the imagery that Scripture is using here, the body is made up of individual members, individual fabrics, interwoven together, held together by the thread of the love of God in the good news. Is knitted together in love. In love, God predestined us. It is in the love of God that the people of God have unity. We know we have not done anything good. It is all the mercy of God in Christ. This love was not brought about in us by us. God has wrought in the lives of believers to love Him and to love one another. And so the love of God is our bond for unity. So beloved, let us not lose sight of why we are unified. It is not because of any of us as individuals, but the news that we proclaim. God has brought together this beautiful tapestry of the local church and has woven us together. We live in a world that needs to hear that there is a remedy for our sin. And it is Jesus Christ. And so there's urgency to this news. And if our agenda is anything else other than the gospel, may it fail. May it fail. And the outcome of being knitted together is to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Believers in the Lord Jesus, we can rest assured 
of our salvation in Jesus Christ. These riches of full assurance of understanding, this blessed assurance is found in Him. Christ has won. He has defeated death and the grave. He has purchased you by His own blood. And in your moments of doubt, do you think He would lose you? No. No. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. As Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says. And then we're also reminded of what Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 4 through 9. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So beloved, be assured And what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. He is sufficient. Rest. And that if you have come to Him in faith. Jesus has imputed. He has given His righteousness to your account. And you have peace with God because of Him. Rest assured in Him. And the scripture continues on. This knowledge of God's mystery. Which is Christ. This is the gospel. Right? This is why we gather as a body. Why we come together. It's because of the gospel. In verse 26 of Colossians 1, Scripture says, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to His saints. So what was foretold in the Old Testament, this mystery of God, this plan of salvation, has now been revealed in Jesus Christ. Prophets, priests, and kings of old pointed to the day in which Christ would come. He was born of the Virgin Mary in a humble manger. The King over all, who spoke life into existence, became a babe to save His people. As Taylor read this morning, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Mary will bear a son. She will call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The gospel impacts the manner in which the church lives. We're to be encouraged, knit together in love, assured in what Christ has done, and pressing on in the gospel. And this leads us to our last point this morning. We are to labor well, we're to live well, and love well. We're to love well. Let's read the latter part of verse 2 into verse 3. The knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. One scholar calls verse 3 the Christological high point of the letter. It begins with similar phrasing as we have seen throughout Colossians. In whom or in him. In verse 14 of chapter 1, Scripture says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then in 
verses 16 through 20 of chapter 1, phrases like by him, through him, for him, for him, and in him are used. So this phrase, in whom, should press upon our hearts Christ's glory and honor. Similarly to Romans eleven thirty six, 36, says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. In Christ, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The Old Testament, like a treasure box sealed, the prophets, priests, and kings pointing ahead, and the, the Lord Jesus Christ is the treasure box opened. The riches of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. So much so, as we know who the Messiah is, the Lord Jesus, it shapes the way we read the Old Testament. Believers in the Lord Jesus do not read Isaiah 53 as we are awaiting a suffering servant. This one has come, and it is Jesus, the Messiah. Yet so many live this life with something covering their eyes and denying the truth. Similarly to the Apostle Paul before his conversion, and even as Ananias shares the gospel with Paul in Acts chapter 9, verse 18, Scripture records immediately something like scales fell from Apostle Paul's eyes. The glories and treasure of Christ is hidden to those who do not believe and those who reject him. Jesus says to the disciples in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 16 and 17, Blessed are your eyes, for they see and ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. There are people today chasing and chasing so many things, and they miss Jesus. This knowledge of God's mystery is Jesus. Jesus is at the center of this wonderful news that one can be saved from their sin by faith in Him. And all that we need, all that we need is found in Jesus Christ. And who will thwart? Who will thwart what we have in Christ? None. None. His people that have come to Him in faith will be raised to be with Him for an eternity. The hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, says, It's born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. The Old Testament was longing for the day in which Christ pulled back the curtain. The promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus. And so if you are hoping for another Messiah, you have false hopes. There is no other name under heaven by which one is saved. Only Jesus. Some scholars say that this verse 3 should be translated, In Him alone are hidden all the treasures. These treasures are continued in Christ and in Christ alone. Is Jesus our treasure? Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. 
Scripture says, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Beloved, in Him, in the Lord Jesus, it will take an eternity to reflect upon the mysteries of the gospel and to mine the depths of His wisdom and knowledge. And then we will just be scratching the surface. This is one, the one who made the skies and their expanse and knows the very numbers of hair on your head. He is our treasure. And so may we labor well. May we labor well for our king's cause. May we be encouraged in him and encourage one another. May we be knit together in love and be assured in him and his love. We only get one life. It will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Our Lord and our King, you spoke and the world came to be. Yet we have sinned against you, a holy and just God. That you sent the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. Yet he did not stay in the grave. He rose again on the third. That those who come to Jesus in faith will be forgiven of their sin and have peace with you. Our God and our King. So renew us in the gospel this day. Press upon our hearts and minds what Christ has done for his people. May we not doubt what Christ has done. This mystery has been revealed. It's Christ. Lord, as we have conversations with family, friends, co-workers, as we prepare for Christmas, may the good news that Jesus Christ is sufficient to save sinners flow from our tongues. And so may your church labor for your glory and may we be marked by love for you and for one another. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.